Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly radio show and podcast where we'll be talking about the secrets behind living an inspired and extraordinary life on the terms that you set for yourself. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is Kim Perrone. She's a published author and former communications executive who left her profession to pursue a career as a life coach following two tragic deaths in her family. Kim currently co-owns a wellness center in New York's capital region. Kim, I would just like to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. And, you know, this show is about helping to give people the courage to intentionally create the life of their dreams. But sometimes it happens that we think we're on a certain path and then something happens and we find ourselves going in a different direction, which is what I think happened to you. Your life has been greatly affected by the tragic deaths of your son and your sister. But before that happened, you were kind of living the American dream. So why don't you kind of paint that picture for us of what things were like for you and then how one day everything changed? Absolutely. If, if you ever had predicted for me 15 or 20 years ago that this is what I'd be doing, I would say that you were crazy. Um, I loved my job uh, as a communication professional. It seemed a perfect fit for me. I had two uh, little boys and a husband. We were living in suburbia. It was a perfect, magical life. And um, when in 2004, I was in a car accident and I had my two little boys who were at the time nine and seven in the car with me. And um, we were hit at a very high speed and uh, my life was is forever divided from that time because my son Jack did not survive uh, he did not survive that accident he had a traumatic brain injury and yet it, my seven-year-old did survive so we my life is now everything was before and after and I was standing on the cliff of how do I get to through the rest of my life what did this mean? Um, I w we were devastated to lose our son, my husband and I, and our whole family, but um, equally blessed that uh, my son Steven survived. Um, and we had to rebuild our life as a family of three instead of four. And um, this began a really special journey for me. Um, I continued to work and continued to be a communication professional, which I'll tell you is another whole story unto itself. It's very difficult to be a public relations person, but yet there was a lot that was empowered through that too. A lot of community in the business community were um, very loving and caring to me after that time of uh, losing my son Jack. and. So, but yet being in the public eye was difficult, even at work, being in the public eye um, among my, you know, uh, 400 employees locally um, who were deeply saddened by what had happened um, and impacted by it in, in their lives. And I know that people um, are truly, truly caring and um, they should have all been running away from me <laughs> and yet they weren't. They were very caring and wanted to know I was doing well. Um, 
so we rebuilt uh, our family and uh, with my son Stephen and my husband in the, in the light of um, losing our son Jack in a very sudden and tragic way. Um, continued on three years later I was reorganized out of that job that I loved and rebuilt and grieved with everyone all my co-workers um, a new president came and my box was crossed off and I was part of a 25 person reorganization so that was another different kind of loss um, and uh, I'm thinking time-wise uh, a year after that, or less than a year after that, my sister was diagnosed with cancer, and she had just had her first child. So this is my younger sister. She was 33 years old. She was diagnosed with cancer, um, spent most of the better part of the next 11 months going back and forth and helping her, and uh, along with my family members, and um, she lost her 11-month battle with cancer. So there was uh, a motherless nephew that I had in Connecticut um, with my brother-in-law, a grieving brother-in-law. Uh, my parents now became bereaved parents like, like myself and my husband. And I had a real um, defining moment because uh, my own son, this was so, the, the losses were five years and eight days apart. Oh my gosh. So, it was again September. September is a very difficult month for uh, for our family, but um, to be perfectly honest, it was Kristen can't die of cancer. She's going to beat it because not only do people beat it, but we lost Jack, and it, there was no. That's not necessarily the way life works, and we know that. Um, what I have come to understand is my life's unfolding and it's unfolding as it should and it for me to accept the losses and to just value what's left to love and be the person i need to be for others but also for myself and to dig very deep this is it speaks really to the grit part which is um i really felt a strong pull that after my sister passed that and of course feeling the grief that I was still carrying from my losing my son five years before that, I absolutely and completely cried uncle. And I said, I can't do it all. And I decided that instead of being superwoman, I was gonna be super sane. And that in the long run, that was going to serve everyone better. And wow. I'm very, very fortunate. My husband was, was supportive. And, you know, I'm sure he was thinking, mm, you know, you want to just try part time, like, you know, to really jump out. I was feeling called to jump out completely. I wanted to be present for my nephew, who was 15 months old when my sister passed um, and they lived three hours away. Um, I wanted to be present for my surviving son. That had been my guiding principle. My my guiding principle after losing Jack was that Stephen was going to have a good life and that we would grieve and it wouldn't mean that everything was okay, that losing Jack was okay, but we were going to accept that we are a family of three now and that we were going to go on vacations and take family photos and have happy holidays, that he deserved that. And he helped us in many ways to be 
this little boy just turning eight years old, losing his nine-year-old brother, who he never knew any time in his life without. And we had to find a way. We had to find a way. And and dig really deep. There's the grit part, too, is to say, you know, what is your guiding principle? My guiding principle was I do not want him to say I had a great life. Life was great. And then my brother died and mom shut down and dad shut down and we didn't have fun anymore or we didn't laugh or we didn't find joy in life. I had to figure out how to do it. Now, that's an amazing story, Kim, and thank you so much for sharing it. I I really have to commend you for finding that strength within yourself and, and carrying on. I think so many people would get stuck in, in a place of just such over overwhelming grief and, and sorrow that it would be very difficult to move on. Well, one of the benefits of truly jumping out and, you know, not saying that this is a perfect, that that is a perfect, I'm completely blessed that I could do it. We could swing it. Um, but I really was following my gut and my gut was telling me to do this. And when I look back, that was 2010. So it was six years ago. And today I'm looking back on doing that and it was very healing. Um, I was able to, I have no regrets about the time that I spent with my my surviving son was in middle school at the time. So now I was present more for him. Um, my nephew uh, and, and widowed brother-in-law were in Connecticut and I was, um, pre- you know, could be present for them. I travel back and forth. And if my brother-in-law had some business travel, I would watch Owen and, you know, be an important part of his life and, and support system. And, I don't regret that. I'm I'm very glad I was able to do that. I I'm I'm very you know I I'm someone who counts my blessings as often as I can because I think it's a great great ritual. It's a great routine to be in, and it keeps you from that dark place. I like to focus on the blessings, um, and not become a, a victim or feel bad. And it doesn't mean that there aren't moments that I'm deeply sad. And the holidays, obviously, are bittersweet in my family. Because we were very present with the fact that we're missing people that we love that had untimely deaths. You know, Jack from an accident at nine years old and my sister from cancer at 34. But we love each other. We stay close to each other. And when I, when I did resign in 2010 from my job, and I loved communication. So I just was finding that I couldn't do it in grief again. I had already done that. I had already fallen apart in public. Um, and I, I wasn't ready to go back and do that. And I was feeling the stress and the grief. I had taken the time. So during that time, so, um, you know, with a focus on the two boys, my nephew and my surviving son. But what I, what I did in, in the in-between times was I wrote a book. And I thought it was going to be a book on bereavement. Um, I started to transcribe journals from after Jack's death. And I, as I did that, though, I also captured some stories of my mother and my sister and myself uh, for posterity and um, joined a writing group. And they liked those stories. And I shared some. And um, they liked my mom. She was a character in my stories. And she is quite a character. 
and they liked it. And I ended up continuing to write uh, those chapters. I didn't realize there were chapters at the time. And, and they formed a book. And my mother is the main character. And it, it really put things in perspective for me um, because I did go back into my life. It's narrative nonfiction. Um, my mother is my main character. And it helped me express that her power of positive positivity had a great impact on my life and how I was coping with life's losses. And of course, it, it's um, a book that makes you laugh and cry. It's a short book called Vacuum Like No One's Watching and Other Lessons from My Mother. I but, love that um, title. <laughs> and it, it, um, it, it just, it really speaks and in the, in the book synopsis is this very strong feeling of mine, which is it's a book of hoping and coping and valuing what's left to love. Oh, that's and beautiful. Really, with a focus on, you know, surviving. And my husband always says, you need to write the sequel. You need to write the sequel. It's about how we survive, you know, how we survived and rebuilt our family and, um, and how we still carry that. We carry these losses and with us. So, when I talked to, in my coaching practice, um, I meet with all types of um, clients, but when I am connected with a parent who's lost a child, I very much want to share a couple of key messages with them, which is one, you will survive and you will find joy again. And uh, people had shared that with me and I share that as the gift of pay it forward with them because um it's you i remember that feeling like i want to be further down the road from this pain and right now and, and this loss and i don't ever feel like i'll find joy again and and we as humans we're built for this and so but it does take a lot of grit um it takes a lot of grit and a lot of being um okay with the deep dive the deep dive into our soul and surrendering. Um, surrendering has this negative connotation in normal vocabulary, right? Surrender means to give up. And we live in a society where don't give up, don't give up. Uh, we get all these messages, keep going and never give it, give up. And the concept of surrender and life coaching is really that of accepting. We all have plans for ourselves. I had big plans for my boys and my life, and I thought thought it was going to go a certain way. And it wasn't. It wasn't on a couple of occasions that were huge, um, tremendous, defining moments for how, how we were going to move forward as a family and how I was going to move forward as an individual. So the concept of surrender being that we're, we may not, life may not be going the way we want it to. And when we accept it and see life as unfolding, we can begin to see what our real life's purpose is or what our gifts and talents are or what new directions are and, and new opportunities for us. We can see them when we stop fighting against them. And one thing I have to clarify all, all the time when I'm talking to people is it doesn't mean, you know, your gifts of suffering does not mean that you wouldn't give them back if you could choose to. But we don't get to choose. 
in many situations. We don't get to choose. So it doesn't mean that I wouldn't do anything to have my son back or my sister back and go back to being the communication professional that I loved at one time, but but I don't get that choice. And I did evolve through those losses and I did evolve through those years. And I did, I uncovered um, maybe a new area of expertise, a new gift to impart to others and a new, new things that I wanted to do and share with my life, share my life with others. You know, even though you don't get to, you don't get to choose, you do get to choose how you react Mm -hmm. to those things. And I think you really exemplify that ability to step into your purpose and, Um, I don't want to say make the best of it because as you said, you certainly would never wish those circumstances upon anybody, but certainly you have been able to turn a horrible situation into a blessing for probably for your family in some ways. And then for so many others. Well, and with, and even in now life coaching, um, I, you know, I'd like to think that my specialty is resilience. Um, I, I feel like that's a gift. I, I, I often tell people that if they know anyone where everything's falling apart, be it, you know, maybe a marriage, a job, the things that they had in life, you know, not necessarily lo- losses um, through death, but I mean, losses of, career setback, a divorce, it's when they feel like everything's falling apart, send them to me. I, I, I want to talk. I want, that's the, that's the client I want to serve. I want to share with them the hopefulness of this dark time, this dark period, when things start breaking down, it's, um, it reminds me of broken open by Elizabeth Lesser. When everything seems to be falling apart from the way you had envisioned it, there's this opportunity of um, the deep dive and going inward and reassessing uh, your life. And then also listening to what might be coming up next. And in many ways, it's the phoenix rising from the ashes and new opportunities show themselves. Yeah, I love that. And you know that quote, when it seems like things are falling apart, they actually could be falling together And um, I think that's so true. It's, it's not that we probably ever want the loss and the grief and the bad stuff. I think that as humans, we never want or particularly welcome the loss and the grief perhaps, but the, the older and wiser we become. And when we realize that there is growth, there is opportunity, there is rebirth that comes out of those, those difficult times, perhaps it makes us not fear those times as much, or um, I don't know that we'll ever welcome them. But I, I think that awareness around the process and, and perhaps even anticipation of, okay, well, this is a difficult time, but what's going to come out of it could be helpful. Well, in, in the, you know, the dark night of the soul, it feels like it will kill us, but yet um, uh, it's an opportunity for us to truly con- connect with ourselves um, at a very deep level. 
And there's a lot of positive um, aspects that come from that, that grieving, whether it's grief, a very difficult time. Um, I, I like to think that everyone's life is, has a very rich landscape. And um, I believe it was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that said, you know, the mountains are formed from the wind carving into them. Um, that's not the exact quote, but basically, um, it, it's also a part of us. So with grief, it becomes to weave, grief and loss, it's weaving into the fabric of our lives. I mean, it's not anything that's gotten over. It's something that has just become more and more of the fabric of, of who we are. And I suspend my need to know all the answers. And I, I share that with clients too, is that again, that's a concept of surrender and acceptance, not giving up, right? I could be upset about why, the why of, of everything, or I can suspend my need to know all the answers until the day that I find them out. Absolutely. And is that part of faith for you? I do. Yeah, I would say that that's strong, my strong faith. And I would say in life coaching where I'm, I'm finding, and I'm sure most life coaches do find is that there is this longing, the spiritual longing that can be served through life coaching, um, a, a, a connection to ourselves, but a connection to our source, whether it's universe, God, um, for many reasons in modern society, we've unplugged from maybe traditional religion or um, it's serving uh, one purpose for us, but maybe not another. And so there is I, definitely seeing a trend towards the, the openness in life coaching to for people who want to connect and want to learn. It's one of the things that we can learn is what, what are the great aspects of all spiritual texts? and the common thread of compassion and self-compassion. And really the overarching message that you're okay. We're all okay. Our inheritance is not worry, fear, doubt, anger, um, confusion. But yet one would could make the case that we suffer from a lot of that in modern society. Anxiety is um, at an all-time high. Um, we're always worried what we should or shouldn't be doing. And um, I'll never forget learning about mindfulness before I even knew what mindfulness was. And that was when my eight-year-old son, Stephen, in, in right after you know losing his brother, within those few next few months and that year and that couple of years, you know, he was a little boy. And when SpongeBob was making him laugh, He'd laugh and I said we need to learn how to do more of that at that moment he was perfectly okay and Spongebob was making him laugh and he was being very mindful and so as adults um, I, we had learned that that was a, a powerful component to you know the sun shining on your face right now um, on any given day to just enjoy that and be mindful of that and not burden yourself with I should be doing this and I should be doing that and I should be doing this and you know as the expression goes stop shooting all over yourself right so right. we carry, we carry so much worry fear chaos doubt and um 
that really that connection with spirituality that can often be served through life coaching in addition, you know, in addition to obviously traditional churches um, serves a, a very strong purpose. And so for me, it's it's strengthened my faith. Um, and my work now is really it's my medicine. It's what I long to do. And um, what I long to share with my clients and um, definitely, definitely a message of hope. Well, that's great. And I want to just ask you so that you're talking about that mindfulness and in hearing you talk about that, I can't help but think about people that get stuck in grief or resentment or fear or the um, all the things that are wrong with their job or their marriage or their situation mm -hmm. and are unable to move forward from that because they're stuck in focusing on the bad instead of the possibility. And, and so can you talk just a little bit about that idea of um, being in the moment or being grateful or being able to shift into a more productive, um, a more productive state, I guess. One of the most powerful tools um, that I have found is the concept of manifesting. So we are manifesting all the time. We are getting more of what we focus on. So it's very common to want to focus on the problems because, and this is how I explain it to clients, how we act, we very naturally can fall into it, very innocently fall into it because good has become an expectation. So our good, everything that's good in our life is on a shelf getting dusty while our focus is going to everything that needs to be fixed. Makes perfect sense, right? Everything's good is okay, but everything that is a problem in my life, I need to focus on it because it, you know, there's some solution that needs to be figured out or something that needs to be fixed. The only problem with that scenario is that we get more of what we focus on. The law of attraction states we're going to get more of what we focus on. So when people get stuck, or there's all, always often that case where whether it's yourself or it's someone you know, you go, wow, more stuff does keep happening to that person. A very powerful technique is to get out of that mental space. That's a, it's an example of our minds not serving us fully, right? Get out of the focus on all of your problems and get into the focus of what you're grateful for. Appreciate what is good in your life. Pull it off the shelf, dust it off, appreciate it, and start manifesting what you do want instead of manifesting and building and using your energy to build what you don't want. And that's really a great technique for moving out of that stuck place. Yeah, and that's a great technique to get out of anything, really, like fear. If, you, if you're able to shift, if, you, if you're feeling fearful around something and are able to shift into gratitude or love, that it always works. And it's in because, and sometimes that's a real challenge because again, we can fall into it innocently. Um, if, you know, we happen to be surrounded by, you know, or have a, a, a mindset. I always think a good example is an engineering mindset. 
Well, someone that's an engineer, well, they are thinking about problems. A lawyer, they are thinking about what problems can go wrong. How can we avoid the problems? Okay, so so it's it does sometimes take, it's very, it needs to be intentional. It needs, it's not always very natural. It needs it to redirect our thoughts. It is very easy to fall into the negative thoughts and, and not believe that, by being in a state of gratitude or focusing on the positive or visualizing what you'd like in life, that that will actually have an impact. But it it can pull you out of the stuck place. It can um, pull you into a much higher energy state. And that is where the change and the, the, the cycle can be reversed. The downward spiral can be reversed. So do you have any um, like short exercises that people can do on a daily basis or, or habits that they can perhaps mindfully get into to help shift their energy and shift them into another, another space? Yes. One very extremely simple technique is to understand that. And, and this comes from a course in miracles, but it's also in the Bible. Um, Jesus has quotes of this effect. It's in other spiritual texts and other spiritual traditions. You are in fear or you are in love, but you cannot be in both at the same time. So where there is fear, there is no love. And where there is love, there is no fear. So when you're feeling fearful, maybe that something might not be going well or might be increasing in how things are going wrong, to remind yourself that you're in either fear or love. Choose to be in love. Choose to trust that things will work out right. Choose to not go down that path of anticipating every negative scenario. So that's one very simple technique. I know, as you can imagine, my my son is, Stephen, my surviving son is now 20 years old. Um, It's hard to imagine that it has been 12 years, but um, he is 20 years old. And as you can imagine, his teen years were very difficult for me. I carried a lot of fear that what if something happened to Stephen? And so a good technique for me was I'm in fear or I'm in love. And and being in love rather than fear is a higher level vibration. So that's that's a simple technique to ask yourself that question. Are you and are you willing to be in love rather than fear? Another simple technique is gratitude. And to actually write what you're grateful for. So it can take three minutes. It could take two minutes a day. Um, it could be uh, even just a, while you're getting ready in the morning in front of the mirror. But to be very conscious about what you're grateful for. Use gratitude. And then build. Write the three or four things you're grateful for. People will often say, um, I was grateful for this. Is this too small a thing to be grateful for? Nothing is too small to be grateful for. Many of us can be very grateful that we have a safe uh, bed at night. We have a a safe home and a a bed. And I think that's a great thing to be grateful for. Um, There's no thing too small. In fact, the joy is found in the the small items of gratitude. Um, It doesn't have to be large. It's in noticing the small everyday things that make you happy and grateful. Yeah. And that really just shifts all the energy 
into a place of creation. I think from a from a place mm-hmm. of um, victimhood negativity. or something or right. negativity. Yeah, no. absolutely. It shifts your energy and it's not draining your energy too. So if you think about it, that noodling on problems and the negativity is energy draining. So this is energy building. And then that could even grow too. So once someone's using gratitude, just taking a few moments every day to write down, uh, you know, one to five things they're grateful for. You can build on that, too. And you, you can start thinking about, okay, these are the things I'm grateful for. What should I be letting go of? What does what no longer serves me? And you could start building that list. What are the things to consciously let go of? Maybe it's a grudge, um, a regret. Are, are, are these things serving you? And in, in most cases, they're not serving you. Those are great tips and, and they make all the difference. Seemingly small things make a huge difference for sure. Yeah. So Kim, I have uh, just one last question for you and you have such a fascinating story and I'm, and, and have, you know, come so far out of, out of this tragedy to the place where you're really helping people. What is, how do you define happiness? What does true happiness mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think what I found is that true happiness is following your inner guidance. So true happiness is following your inner purpose or your life's purpose. And for everyone that's different, I I truly, truly find a lot of happiness in the work I do today that was completely pounded into me. And there was a lot for me to walk away from and a lot of loss. And it could be the same story. I could say, I could be telling you a story of I lost my son and then I lost my job. And then I was into another job that I thought was, you know, pretty good. And I saw the career path there. And, you know, got over being reorganized and moving on. And then my sister got ill. And then that took my attention. Then we lost her. And so I've lost a child. And my parents, you know, you can see where I could be making this real victim type story, thrown off my career path. And, but really, it was a new career path and in a new set of skills were being honed along the way. And, I feel like it was an invisible hand pushing me. And I think that may be happening to a lot of people who right now feel like nothing's going right in their life. But really, there may be just sort of this inner guidance is trying to push them towards that which they can't imagine. And I'm certainly living a life. I, uh, running a wellness center and uh, being a life coach is not, really not something I'd ever envisioned. And walking away from a corporate communications job and and uh, uh, that career path, but it it's truly it truly makes me happy. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate you sharing oh. your story. It's. It's a story that I think a lot of people will find valuable and inspirational. So thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you, Ellen. It's been a joy. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to today's show. My guest was Kim Perone. She's the author of Vacuum Like No One Is Watching. And she's the co-founder of the Center for Clarity, Compassion, and Contentment. You can find Kim online at center4c.com. That's the word center, the number four and the letter C, 
as in cat.com. A link to Kim's website and the full recording of the interview will be available at our website, readysetgrit.com. I'm Ellen Barton. Please tune in next week at the same time for more inspirational stories and tips for living your life on purpose. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our ebooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.